I'm Derek Thompson, longtime writer with The Atlantic magazine on tech, culture, and politics. There is a lot of noise out there, and my goal is to cut through the headlines, loud tweets, and hot takes in my new podcast, Plain English. I'll talk to some of the smartest people I know to give you clear viewpoints and memorable takeaways. Plain English starts November 16th. Listen for free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the Ringers Philly special presented by FanDuel. The playoff action is heating up, and with FanDuel, you can bet on everything from the NBA Finals MVP to who's going to lift the Stanley Cup. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page, plus start betting on the pulse and get paid instantly when you win. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus in D.C. and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Welcome to the Ringers Philly special, Shield Kapadia, joined by Ben Solak. Three nights in a row, Ben. Again, I'm not kidding when I say that I talk to you more than uh, my own family at this point. We're doing the Thursday 10 a little yeah. bit early this week. Yeah, we did Sunday, Three we did nights Monday, in a row. now we're doing Tuesday. Yeah. yeah. Anything, anything new in your life? Have a good day today? No. Everything's the same from 24 hours ago when when we spoke. So, yeah, we're doing this one a little bit early. Obviously, travel plans, Christmas week, holiday week. So we're giving you your Thursday 10 a day early. We obviously had some breaking news with the Jalen Hurts injury. Maybe some of you heard Ben and I talk about that on Extra Point Taken on the Ringer NFL feed. We'll have a little more extended conversation about it here. We'll talk about the film from the Bears game. And, of course, look ahead. It doesn't have the the same juice as you know maybe we thought it was going to have a few weeks ago but hey it's still eagles cowboys on christmas eve there's going to be plenty of juice there so uh benjamin i looked at all the it was tricky this week because i looked at the questions the reviews and a lot of them were made in between the time we posted our last podcast and when Jalen Hurts got it. So there was like some stuff that was outdated, you know, I was asking mm, about Jalen yeah, Hurts yeah. and MVP. And then we obviously got some on Twitter. So I did my best to gather 10 that I thought were re- relevant, newsy, and then made up a couple. So if we didn't get to yours, listen, we're going to get to it eventually. Maybe we'll do some bonus episodes. Maybe we'll just do a full mailbag episode at some point to get to all of them. We've got time. Don't worry about it. Come annoy me. Uh, email me. Uh, tweet at me if you're saying, hey, I did exactly what you asked and you didn't get to my question. We'll get to it eventually. Give us time. We don't worry. We got a lot of space to fill. This team is probably going to the Super Bowl. You know, we got what? Another, oh, yeah? Uh, we got a couple months. Yeah. Probably we got, we got going to the Super Bowl. Can I get a percent yeah. likelihood on that one? 
percent. Well, this is where I like to look at the odds and then do the implied odds. Let's say, uh, well, then Dallas and the Niners. Right. I'll tell you, in my head, probably is above fifty percent, and they are not right now sitting at above fifty percent to make the Super Bowl. That's why it caught my right. ear. So the field, I would give like what five percent. Is that is that too high? I don't know. I'm doing this uh, other than the Eagles, Cowboys, and 49ers. And then among those three, I still have have them as the favorites. So now you're dividing ninety. Yeah, I all right, fine. It's pro, it's probably not over yeah. fifty. I think it's over. Am 30. I doing the worst I thing it's in over podcasting? 35. Yeah, I'm doing the worst thing in podcasting where I pick like one <laughs> phrase that you said in passing, and I'm like, let's act like this is like a very heavily researched take that you've got your whole heart behind. But yeah, no, it, it, it's up there. Thirty eight percent. I'm giving them a thirty eight percent. Three out of eight chance. Uh, chance. I don't mind that. Yeah, yeah, I'm there. Yeah. I'm there. I'm there. That's not bad. All right, let's talk about the injury. Jalen Hurts, sprained shoulder. What is your take? And again, we covered some of this already, but let's get into a little deeper conversation because there were a lot of questions about this. What's your take on the Hurts injury and how it impacts the Eagles' chances of winning the Super Bowl? There were a lot of follow-up questions. There were questions about if he says he's 70, 75% this week, next week, do you play him? Is he definitely going to be out against the Cowboys? You know, they didn't rule him out today. Is that posturing? Does he actually have a chance to play against Dallas? When would you play him? Would you sit him out for five weeks until the divisional round? Do you need him right. to get some reps in week 17 and 18? Again, I'm throwing eight different questions at you. These are the ones we got from the listeners. Uh, just kind of throw out your take, your feelings on the injury now that we have a little more clarity at this point in the week. Yeah, so, okay, Jalen Hurts gets ta uh, tackled at the end of the third quarter. Full body weight lands on him from Travis Gibson, and we learn that he strains his, his AC joint. Worth remarking that after that play, it looked great. <laughs> Using him on quarterback sneaks. They thrown. called four verts on the very next play, I Got think. Four a verts. A.J. Brown deep shot to seal the game. We're good, all right? we they, you know They very clearly, like, oh, it was a pain tolerance thing. You get banged up. It's cold weather. The ground hurts. You know, they, they clearly... He, it wasn't enough on the pain scale to register like, all right, you know, he's got to leave the game, which means that if the Eagles were in the Cowboys shoes, 1% chance to win the division, I'm very confident Hurts would play on Saturday. But the Eagles are not in the Cowboys shoes, just to the, a testament to them and, and to the way they've handled games. They've won late. They beat the Cardinals and they beat the Lions in week one. Like These are the things that matter when it comes time for playoff seeding and how you manage the end of the season. Uh, in this position, I don't think they'll play Hurts. I think there's some posturing. Hurts and Minshew are really different. You definitely want to make the Cowboys spend time thinking about both. Uh, so there's yeah. some posturing. I think there's also some, you know, like I think this is who Hurts is. I think if if Hurts came in and stood at the podium on Tuesday and said, you know, we really want to be cautious about this. You know, we're going to take our time on it. We're going to try to be smart about it. They wouldn't be wrong, but it would feel a little out of character as opposed to just that usual mellow baritone of like, I'll play. I'll play you right now. I'll arm wrestle you with no shoulders. You know, like you know, yeah, that's just that's that's his spirit, right? And 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 Nick Sirianni going like his body is different than ours, man. Like that's just that's the way this Eagles yeah. team is. You know what I'm saying? It, it's kind of on brand for them. So it doesn't surprise me that that's their message. I don't think he plays. Uh, I think that since uh, he played against the Bears, it's clearly a pain tolerance thing, and then also a longevity thing. Could we make this worse? By putting you in live game reps and i think if at this stage right now monday tuesday they're very clearly thinking we might make it worse by not resting it make it worse by giving you live game reps make it worse by having you get hit again i don't envision that changing on saturday like it hurts might go out there i don't know how doctors work but hurts might go out there warm up on saturday and go i have zero pain and i still think they'll probably be like well 
we ain't like you know there's just no reason to put a guy with a 99 percent shoulder out when we don't need to uh and so i don't think they're gonna end up playing hurts on saturday then they're gonna have that saints game there's a chance that that they already have the division sealed up they're the first round by sealed up we'll see how they handle the saints game obviously they're very incentivized to beat the saints we've talked about this on the pod before because of draft positioning so we'll cross each each week is a different bridge to cross. It's very hard to say what they do in week 17, week 18, because we have to see the updated playoff picture. Week 16, I don't expect them to play. I do expect them to be fine, you know, once once push comes to shove and we start getting into postseason. Yeah, I, I, I'm on the same page. I, I think it's posturing. This is not just a Sirianni decision. This is not a Hurts decision. Obviously, he's the player. You have to take it out of his hands. I mean, I can pretty much guarantee if they left it up to him, he would say, get out of here. Yeah, I'm absolutely playing in this game. This goes to Howie Roseman. This goes to Jeffrey Lurie. This goes to the training staff, the medical staff. You want to be smart about it. Uh, I would be pretty very surprised if he were on the field uh, for this game in Week 16. But as you said, there's no reason to go ahead and declare one way uh, or the other here. Even if the Cowboys just have a little bit of a doubt, uh, they have to prepare for both quarterbacks. Uh, watching the film today, shout out to uh, Coach Flynn. You notice I'm wearing the Princeton football hat. Ooh. Hosted me, the Princeton football uh, facilities. Went down there, watched the offensive film with Small. Coach Flynn. It was, wow. Uh, what Relax. a highlight. I mean, the guy has the white boy. He's just drawing up plays on the. I've never seen anyone draw up plays quicker uh, than Coach dude, dude, Flynn. He's there's nothing. Oh, there's so nothing fun. better than watching a guy who's diagrammed a thousand plays. Like <laughs> while he's talking a mile a minute, just draw a formation. Oh my god! Right, none of the shapes are I actually real it. shapes. They're all scribbles. It's so cool. I love it. Oh, all right, it, I gotta. It was a. I got to find amazing. my way to uh, old Princeton, New Jersey. Next time I'm in the yeah, neighborhood, I'll say come hi. on down. We'll both go. Uh, it, it was a lot of fun going through the offensive film down there. So thank you to the GOAT, Coach Flynn, for uh, helping me understand football for like the last uh, decade here. But one so, thing well, give us the best out. nugget. Give us the best nugget from the Flynn talk. Well, I'm going to sprinkle them yeah. in. I'm going to sprinkle them in. You got it right. Throughout. Claim yeah. they're your own, obviously. Yeah, 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 yeah. Don't, oh, yeah. not no, enough from him. Yeah. Just like as your Nothing own analysis. Yeah. Something I noticed. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're good. We're good. I'm noticing Devon. Dante Smith punching but not extending his arm on the slot fade to create a little bit of separation because <clears throat> the ref's not going to see that. He's watching the ball. That is my observation. That is my nuance as a longtime uh, film watcher that Love did it. not come from Coach Flynn. But one thing watching the film, it was like, I don't think I don't think Hurt said anything to anybody after he got injured. I mean, like I said, two, the next three plays after he got injured, I believe, were all passing plays. And I think two of them were downfield throws, vertical throws. They used him on a QB sneak uh, later in the game. They were still calling the option runs later yeah. in the game. So I, I don't think he said a word to anybody after his shoulder got crunched, except for, uh, as the reporters noted, he said to uh, somebody told him to stay down. And he said, like, Get me the f up, basically. Help My me lotta, get out, yeah. and then he went back to the huddle. Yeah, yeah. So that I, really uh, stood out. If there's anything from this, you know, process that we've learned, it's that somebody's job has got to be on the sideline to watch Jalen Hurts on every single play, and to be like, that looked like it was a hit. Somebody talk to him because I you think know Jaylen, it's true, though. Yeah. Like, yeah, you're saying it in jest, but it is but true. What, the number one thing this organization should have learned from Carson Wentz during the course of the Wentz injury saga was you got to protect the guy from himself sometimes, right? Just yes. in terms of the hits that you take, the, the style of play that you have, that if anything, 
is going to preemptively end Jalen Hurts' career. It will be an insistence on playing physical ball. Something we talked about when Hurts really started to take off this season was how his build allowed him to be a little bit different of a runner than Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray because he's such a big guy. There's a water's edge to that, though. And you know you don't want to say, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm built like a running back, so I'm justified taking these hits, especially when we get late in the season, right? waste yeah. to be healthy for 15 weeks have an mvp caliber year to then be banged up in, in the playoffs for this season and for seasons in the future and so yeah i hope you know i hope sirianni reamed him out a little bit if it was the case that he was hurting fourth quarter didn't tell anybody you got to get up in your franchise player's face and say you are the franchise that's not acceptable you know I, i'm with you i think it's somebody it's got to be somebody's job too i mean you should know how he you got to know how he's wired and maybe this is a learning experience and somebody's just got to keep an eye on that and if there's a little morsel of a, a question or doubt you know take the time out bring him over say we need to have an honest conversation because yeah i mean there's a situation where all of a sudden they miss a blitz pickup or something and he takes a big hit on the already sprained shoulder and now you're going wait why why didn't they do anything when they knew he was already injured so yeah no i'm with you there something to kind of keep an eye on going forward so uh, i'm not concerned about the eagles getting the one seat they're going to get the the one seat barring uh something a a complete meltdown here Uh, i don't think he's going to play this week i think listen i think there's a chance that if they lose this week and he's feeling good uh, in week 17 that he plays against the Saints. I mean, that yeah. would kind of be a natural timeline. That's not really as from what we know, and every injury is different, but what we've seen with guys with sprained shoulders, that would technically, you know, theoretically not be rushing him back to get exactly, uh, on yep. the field. And so, you know, you could play him there. Hopefully you win that game. And now you get two weeks rest until the divisional round. So that's one possibility. Now, the most interesting one is probably if you win this game uh, against the Cowboys. And the line, by the way, Ben, down to four and a half from uh, yeah. originally six Goddard there. activated, led to a little bit of a move. And then Hurts saying, like, I am preparing to play the Cowboys on Saturday. You also so? led to a little okay. bit of a move. All yeah. Right. Well, the timing of it, the first move was the Goddard news. The Goddard news was the line was at six and then it bumped down to the fives. Um, the uh, I'll tell you right now, six was too tall. Uh, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I, I People that I was talking to said that Sportsbooks expected to close when as of yesterday expected to close around six six and a half to seven that's way too big for the state of the cowboys injuries versus what the eagles are going to be with gardner Minshew. uh to me like if 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 i knew it was Minshew and i knew god it was healthy i'd close this game at like three and a half uh cowboys favorites the uh Minshew. there we're gonna get this question later but we'll six it, six yeah. was too big yeah, I agree. So uh, the, if they win this game and now you really have nothing to play for in terms of playoff positioning, I think you probably are just sitting him until the divisional round. And that would be a five-week uh, stretch there of no football. And so you would expect some rust. But I think that's probably going to be the move given what we know about this team. I mean, you would feel really stupid if you got him out there in week 17 or 18 and said, we just want to get him some reps. And then all of a sudden he suffers an injury there. You would think, what are we doing here? So I think you live with the possibility of some rust, him getting acclimated. You try to push it a little bit in practice and get him ready the best you can. But I think if they win this game, you're probably not seeing Hurts until mid-January when they host their first playoff game. So... I think it's a, uh, yeah, I listen, there, there could be a lot worse situations. It's not ideal. The, the preference would be he's healthy. They win this game with hurts. You make a statement, you sit him and he's good. That's not the situation, but again, it could be a lot worse, a lot more disastrous as we'll get to. Cause you know, the, the listeners always have questions about, well, what would be the worst case scenario? So we'll get to some of those. All right. Question number 
two. What will the offense look like Saturday if it is Gardner Minshew? And we can just, you know, let's just dive into the matchup against the Cowboys defense or, or anything you saw on film uh, from the Eagles that applies to this game here. Uh, some numbers for you, Ben. The first matchup was the Eagles' uh, lowest yards per play of the season. It was uh, their second lowest yardage total. They had 268 yards. If you oh, look at some of the Sleepy day. Stats, sleepy day with 268 yards. Come on now. Pick it up. Yeah. Success rate, uh, EPA per drive. Those were both uh, pretty good uh, from that game. So if we remember that game, they messed with Michael Parsons a lot. They ran that same RPO a bunch of times where the wide receiver or tight end comes across the formation and sneaks into the flat. They use the zone read to read Parsons instead of uh, blocking him in that game. They had a lot of success in the first half, and then they had a 75-yard drive in the fourth quarter where they put the game away with a bunch of different run schemes and personnel groupings. Uh, in my notes, I had down that, the, you know, the o, the o line, I don't think it was a dominant performance. I think if you look at all their performances uh, this year, it was kind of one where there were certainly some more ups and downs. You took some losses for sure uh, in that game. But the the injuries you mentioned, Cowboys had Leighton Vanderesh in that game, and they had corners, Anthony Brown and Jordan Lewis in that game. Both those corners are out for the season, and we'll see with Vanderesh. He suffered a, a neck injury last week against the Jaguar. So uh, what do you think? If it is Gardner Minshew, what are we looking for in this game against the Dallas Cowboys? Yeah, so if it is Minshew, and you look at the way that teams have successfully attacked this Cowboys defense the way the Eagles did, uh, penetration front, four down front, fast-flowing team, aggressive fit in the run, uh, undersized, but we're going to play with speed. And so you'll like to beat that team two ways. You can beat them with misdirection, get them to over-pursue, and then catch them you know, uh, in, in the flats to the sidelines. So you see that flat RPO, so you see the redoption stuff. Or you can beat them straight down the throat with power, right? If they're going to put... You know, against the Jaguars, they had fronts where they had one 300-pounder, Carlos Watkins, on the field. And then the, the three-tech, the other dude's tackle was 285-pound Osa Digazua. And the Jaguars said, are you sure? And the Cowboys said, yes. And the Jaguars said, we're going to run for seven and a half yards of carry. You got you know, we, we can move the football on you in the second half. They ran the ball well in the zone running game, in the power running game, you know, uh, between the tackles, but then also with the reverses, right? And the, the screens off the reverses, right? Doug was in his bag in that last Jaguars game. Yeah. Jamal Agnew ripping off explosive runs, moving out of the backfield, sending Christian Kirk across the formation. We're going to give you misdirection. We're going to give you horizontal stretch, and then we're going to confuse you and, and, and get explosive running game out of that. Well, this is a, a nice challenge for the Eagles because the buttons to press in this regard are very obvious when Hertz is in the backfield, right? Your read option, your RPO game, a lot of it is predicated on the idea that the quarterback is a pull threat. And Minshew, like, Minshew can pull like a third and two zone read and go get a first down. But beyond that, you know what I'm saying? You're not, it's not something you want to be majoring in. So now comes uh, something that we haven't seen the Eagles have to do a lot of, which is good news, but that's gadget stuff. It's gimmick stuff. It, it's how, how are you going to find an explosive play in the running game by taking advantage of these over pursuits. So you're going to see like, you know, the potential for reverses. They don't really run like jet touches and jet sweeps at all. You're going to see the potential for those where you try to stretch this team out horizontally. And that some of that will replace the RPO game and the read option game that you lose by not having Hertz in. We, we made a lot of fun of some of the Quez Watkins design stuff last week. I feel like maybe we're going to see a little more of it. I feel like it's still going to be around. Uh, so, so keep an eye out for that uh, to kind of buttress what Minshew can do. Uh, but 
if that's failing, if that's like a one-off, if that you don't want to make the house of that, that's fine. They're going to run between the tackles. I think you're going to see Minshew under center quite a bit. And you're going to see just true handoffs into boot action, true handoffs into rollout action. Because uh, Minshew can throw in the move pretty well, and he can make a guy miss on a naked, right? It's that unblocked defender. He can stave him off for a second uh, and then throw that ball to the flat, right? Stretch you out. But they'll get under center. They'll just run it between the tackles, right? They'll, they'll, they'll get in, in gun as well, and they'll use Kelsey as a puller, but they'll find ways to get the ball moving vertically upfield. Big day for Miles Sanders, improved vision, improved physicality, Miles Sanders, an important game for him in this regard. Passing game-wise, same old, same old, man. You know, don't in terms of the drop-back passing game, don't change a thing, right? It's it's They run simple concepts, and Minshew can make all the throws. Not going to live as much on go balls, uh, certainly not as far down the field, right? Oftentimes, Hertz will throw a go ball after like a play-action fake and then a three-step drop, and then that ball will be out with Minshew. That'll be play action fake one step balls out or just like straight three step drop back balls out because Minshew doesn't have the same distance on his arm. So the timing will be a little bit earlier and they'll throw more like back shouldery sort of stuff as opposed to like the true over the top stuff that Hurts throws. It's because Minshew's just got a little bit different of an arm, but he throws that ball well, right? Minshew did DJ Chark back in the day for the Jaguars, man. Like they, they, they made money on, on, on that go ball. And then Minshew, as we saw against the Jets last season, can throw the intermediate stuff, throw the seam ball to Dallas Goddard, right? He's going to have the ability to execute Hertz's menu of concepts. So passing game, not too much going to change. Running game, very curious to see what they do in terms of how they're going to get to the flanks, how they get to the edges, and if they just decide to be a power running team and shove it down the Cowboys' throat. Yeah, it surprised me the Cowboys' defense. Uh, so they're third in DVOA, fourth against the pass, and tenth against the run. I thought they weren't as good against the run. I think Nate Tice was tweeting out some interesting uh, stats with and without Van Der Esch. Uh, it's kind of been a different story. And those those splits can always be a little tricky, yeah. uh, a little noisy, but you know you would expect them to be yeah. not as good uh, if Van Der Esch doesn't play they in are, that game against the run. They are really good example of like the value of of off-ball linebackers i mean it gets talked about a lot the league-wide level eagles obviously kind of don't invest in off-ball linebacker at all it, it's okay to have average off-ball linebackers you'll be all right when you have like below average guys it can hamstring you like when van rush went down they're playing anthony Barr at like true off-ball linebacker that's not what Barr played in minnesota they're playing damon clark right these guys are not functional run fitters and they don't want to move parsons off the edge because he's so good there and it kind of put them in a, in a bad spot van rush's health critical to watch and then jonathan hankins is the other guy a lot of the non-van rush reps have also been non-jonathan hankins reps and hankins was their run stuff and defense tackle he's out they're vulnerable up the middle yeah, I think you can still do, um, in terms of Parsons, obviously the zone read stuff you're not going to do with him. You can still run some of the RPO stuff uh, that they used. But uh, like you said, it's going to be more about the non-QB uh, inclusive runs. I do think it'll be a little, you know, certainly some more short quick passing game ball out like you're thinking how do you neutralize Parsons I think that'll be a big part of this game plan is to just get the ball out quickly I don't know that you're gonna you know it'll be interesting to see if they're able to push the ball downfield as much as they do as aggressively as they do uh, with Jalen Hurts in this game Cowboys you watch them and you think they'll give up some big plays the numbers kind of surprised me they've only given up 36 plays of 20 plus yards uh, this season that's the second fewest in the NFL behind only the San Francisco 49ers. So I, I, watching them, I sometimes feel there's more of a boomer bust element uh, to this defense. I guess the numbers don't necessarily yeah. back that up. They used to play a lot more man, a lot more press. And when you play that way, when you lose, you lose quick. And so the ball can be out beat the pass rush and you still get an explosive this year they play that more zone right they're playing with a lot more two safeties on top playing with the roof on you uh, and they'll still they'll still press man but they, they 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 change their stuff a little bit they change their looks so now when you beat the cowboys it takes a beat longer and because it takes a beat longer 
Michael Parsons, DeMarcus Lawrence, Dorrance Armstrong find you in the backfield, right? Sam Williams. Yeah. I mean, they got stable. And so the Cowboys have, I think, and Dan Quinn, credit to him, have decided to say, okay, we like our ability to be aggressive in coverage, but if we're going to maximize this pass rush, we have to we have to make passing attacks take longer, and that's greatly been to their benefit. They're one of the, the the top three pressure rate teams right now on the defensive line. That's where they make their money. Yeah, I'm curious to see. They are a little more varied in their coverages. They're still top ten in uh, cover one and cover three. So you're going to get those single high looks. You're get a, get an opportunity to attack the corner opposite. Trayvon Diggs, which, you know, Kelvin Joseph last week, if you watch the Jaguars come back and the Jaguars put up 503 yards uh, against the Cowboys, yep. they were really attacking Kelvin. I mean, the, how many big plays were against him? He got benched. He got benched for Nation Wright uh, yeah. late in the game. The Cow- the Jaguars walked into the first half and they circled fifth-round rookie Deron Bland, 26. He plays the nickel for him. And I said, this is the matchup we like. And Deron Bland held his water, man. I was extremely well, impressed. Yeah. On, the, on, the, on the immediate post-game show last week, I was like, these Cowboys corners, you could take advantage of these rookies. And then I watched Deron Bland. I was eating my words. Very good game against Christian Kirk. So the Jaguars came out in the second half and said, okay, we're not looking for 26 anymore. Where's number one? And then they started scoring points. Like, All right, we found him. Here we go. And then the, the, the floodgates opened. Yeah, so that that's the big. We'll see who's going to play for them at that uh, second corner spot this week. But that is absolutely the place to attack in the passing game if you're the Eagles. Uh, I was looking back at my notes. One of the questions was about saying, hey, Sheila, I remember last year you weren't that impressed with the Minshew film compared to the numbers. And I remember that being the case too, but I wasn't sure uh, what I actually thought about it. So I went back and I checked my notes. It's funny, if you look at it, Based on EPA per drive, that was the Eagles' best offensive game in the last two years. Was that game uh, against the Jets? That Jets that defense last Minshew. year was uh, was yes. a wet noodle, Those man. Those corners, yes, they were not starting a lot of uh, professional football players. But I looked at my notes, and yeah, I, you know the guy, the the listener was right. I mean, I uh, lots of screens, lots of checkdowns. His average throw went six yards past the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had in my notes he underthrew receivers, he threw behind them. Uh, I thought his ball placement was. Uh, and accuracy was erratic. His arm strength, I thought, was a clear issue. Uh, when you watched it, there were some botched RPOs in there that turned into sacks. So for the numbers that he put up, and listen, he made some nice throws in that game. But yes, my takeaway from that game was that the numbers, the stats were not reflective of kind of how he played. I thought that was more of a scenario of the coaching staff doing a nice job, scheming some stuff up, the supporting cast helping him, and them really just having a big uh, talent edge over the Jets. Yeah, he's a pop gun passer. He's a point guard. He's got yeah. little arm, quick release, quick feet, get the ball out. Uh, you're, this is a great game for Dallas Goddard to be back for because yards after the catch in the underneath area, man, that's where Goddard was making his money. That little stupid little delayed tight end screen is going to be back in full force, baby. It's going to oh, work yeah. against Lots, this defense. I think a lot of screens. Yeah. I mean, Doug P was breaking out the screens last week. You want to slow it. I, I wouldn't be surprised if the first play offensive mm-hmm. play of the, the game uh, was a screen or certainly in that first possession, anything you could do to slow that pass rush down and be like, all right, you can't just fire off and try to kill, <laughs> kill this quarterback. Uh, that really is going to be the focus uh, of the game plan for sure. How much uh, did you watch that entire offensive film for the Jaguars versus the Cowboys? No, I didn't. Uh, I, I, I did. Yeah, I wrote Trevor Lawrence this week. 
I forgot how much fun it was to watch Doug P when he's cooking. Holy oh, yeah. baby. Which, like, that's Sirianni, Stankin, they've been awesome. They're really fun to watch. But it just it was hitting chords that I forgot about, man. When, like, the third fake reverse set up the throw back to that, I was like, Douglas, oh, my heavens. It's, it's his dream game right now. They were killing all the red zone designs. Oh, you think this is a rub route, but it's not. You think this is levels, but it isn't. Everything's a wrinkle. Yeah. So fun. Yeah, he he was feeling it, and Lawrence played great, and they uh, they absolutely cooked them there, specifically in the second half. Uh, I have some notes here on the uh, film, like I said, uh, watching with Coach Flynn that I wanted to get to. I mean, I thought that the uh, the weather was definitely a factor. It felt like, I mean, yeah. just that first interception that Jalen Hurts threw, uh, it looked like he could have gone to Devonte Smith there, and then it turns into a scramble drill. He had AJ Brown. That's a play we've kind of seen him make where he scrambles and throws the ball downfield, uh, and it was just a bad throw and turned into an interception. So I don't think that was necessarily a bad decision. He had a bad throw. Uh, on the go ball to A.J. Brown down the right sideline. Another bad one to A.J. Brown down the left sideline versus uh, cover two. The second interception was a tough one. I think Quez Watkins could have flattened that out a little bit uh, there for sure, and Hertz was really trusting it that you know he was going to be there and threw that ball uh, pretty early, and it turned into an interception. Uh, Eagles blocking and execution in the screen game, and I think we hit on this uh, in the postgame pod, but uh, very bad. I mean, they had a lot of opportunities where they had the numbers, and Hertz was throwing it to the perimeter, and they were just not getting it done, uh, a lot, except for the one to Devontae Smith on third down. So that's obviously uh, got to be better for them. But I'll tell you what, Hertz like bounced back and made just some beautiful throws in the second half. I mean, the slot fade uh, to Devontae Smith. He had in there the throw to A.J. Brown on four verts that sets up uh, a touchdown there. Um, they had uh, the 68-yarder to A.J. Brown as well. So there were some hits and misses. I mean, it, it's funny. Like, some of his n- nicest throws came after he injured his shoulder. I don't know if the weather or the wind became less of a factor, if he got more used to it or what. But uh, he, real, he really battled back. Uh, it didn't snowball, and he made some nice plays there in the second half. I, I don't know if you had stuff that stood out to you from the offensive film. Yeah, it, this was a... This was as 2021 uh, as we've seen Jalen Hurts in quite some time, just in terms of like the the erratic misses and sometimes like the too much dip on your chip. Why are you trying that? Like the Quez throw, I said on the on the Sunday pod, tough to parse who exactly whose fault that is, like what the note is in the coaching room. Seeing it all 22, that's tough to parse whose fault that is. You know what I mean? It, it, it's very much so like I get why Hurts feels like he can throw it and Quez will pay him off. I get why Quez thinks there's no chance that Hurts is going to throw it. The The coaching point is probably Hurts. When you see a safety that low on that route, don't try it. And then the coaching point for Quez is like, hey, you got to finish the route. You, you just have to go. You know, your quarterback might trust you. You got to go for it. You kind of tell both guys not to make the same mistake. I think that if I'm, if I'm like really parsing it, I think Jalen's got to know that that's not AJ Brown and that's not Devonte Smith. It'd be nice if it was, but that's not. Yeah. You know, like those two guys are so good at paying you off when you give them a contested throw deep down the field, intermediate. They're going to get hit. Those guys are incredible. You got to know your personality. You got to know your guys. And you see sixteen. I'm just not sure you're ripping a trust throw like that. Not yet. He's playing better. Not yet. Uh, and so, so I, I put it a little bit more on Jalen for just you should know who's on that route. So I think that that like that that was one that coming back to I. I I thought was substantial. And yeah, the cold was a big part of it. Uh, I, I tweeted this during the game, but 
you know, you just, I, I had forgotten that Hertz really didn't play too many cold weather games last year. Uh, and, and playing in this 15 degree weather, just clearly like the blood had to get flowing a little bit. He had to get hit a couple times, you know, obviously gets injured in this game, but like got to get hit a couple times. Yeah. Got to just like, you know, feel it, know what it's going to be like, grip the ball. And then, okay, you kind of get settled in, uh, home field advantage matters. They're going to be playing in Philadelphia weather and there's a chance it gets really cold, but like, you know, and it, you didn't give the first seed to Minnesota. And that's a very big deal when it comes to playing that, that potential home game, that NFC championship game. And so I definitely think the cold was a factor. The screen stuff, I will say, uh, they had some blown blocks, uh, offensive line. I thought I had, I had some missed reads, pointed to the wrong guys, miscommunications. I was impressed with that Bears secondary. I really was. Matt Eberflus's yeah, whole... I would agree with that. Yeah, Matt Eberflus's whole shtick is that hits principle he talks about, right? Hustle, intensity, tackling, turnovers. I forget what the letters stand for. What the frick ever. He, he's all about, like, you know, your Kenny Moores of the world, right? Just like, you know, down, you know, undrafted, late-round pick. But if you try, you will get on the field. And they've just they they've figured out who their guys are and then they like the setup that they have and people are buying and it's very clearly a culture thing. They were flying around and they were identifying too. That was that was smart, well coached. I was very impressed with the Bears' defensive game plan. A lot of blitzes. That uh, Iberflus don't like the blitz. A lot of blitzes. I think I think yeah. the defense coordinator is trying to figure out just how much they can test the Eagles' offense with blitzing. You're still seeing that as a theme on, on the L22. This green to Miles Sanders, uh, I think it was Mike Pennell, 64. I mean, he knew exactly what well, he's running towards Sanders before uh, yeah. it even starts and uh, and strips the ball there. We were laughing on the film because there were a couple throws where, ooh, bad throw by Jalen Hurts, and then rewatch it, and Pennell got his hand on it, and he's still in. He, he, he's doing yeah. this right away to make sure he gets the tip and uh, Pennell, in the, in the stat sheet there. A vet, man. That's that. That's when you know cultures came by in. Is when Mike Pennell's been around. Is like you know having a great yeah. time making the effort plays. That's that's how you know. Bears are bears arrow Six, up on defense. Sixty four, yeah. A uh, couple of just a couple head scratching calls. I thought they had the third and two slot fade to Quez Watkins. I mean that that was a weird call to me, given the down and yeah. distance there to kind of go for that one on one. And then uh, Coach Flynn made a great point on the slant to AJ Brown on fourth down. That came from a reduced split, which makes it harder. Uh, you don't have as much space there to get to it, and that was incomplete. And it was like the only slant to AJ Brown that didn't work all game. And if you watch right. the other ones, they come from a wide split where he has a lot more space to work with. So I thought that was uh, did, I don't know why they did that. Yeah. Well, did Coach Flynn or Shilkapadia think that that Hurts changed the route at the line? Because he looks at AJ on that play before AJ runs it. I don't know if he checks it or not. I was one of Coach Flynn. We, I, I don't know. Okay. Because he, he doesn't, no, he doesn't give, he doesn't give him a hand that. signal. He doesn't give him anything. But when he gets to the line, he gives him a little like, yeah. You know, and sometimes that's okay. that's what it is in the huddle. Sometimes it's like, hey, like if I like give you the nod, run the route. Because it was weird. They the Eagles don't yeah. do that. They do not run slants from that tight. It, there's no reason to. Nobody yeah. does. It's dumb. So yeah, it was right. surprising. Uh, Bears did try some, you know, disguises and uh, to, to fool Hurts. They got him once with the sack, but uh, other than that one sack that they got, uh, Eagles seemed to do a nice job of knowing what uh, was coming there. All right, question. Number three, I actually have not gotten to the uh, defensive film, so I don't know if you will have thoughts on this, but let's just talk about how the Eagles defense matches up with the Cowboys offense. Some numbers for you. If you look up, this is interesting, actually. If you look up the Cowboys numbers when Dak Prescott has been on the field, their numbers are almost exactly the same as the Eagles offense for the season. Uh, They would be third in the NFL in EPA per play, right behind the Eagles. They would be fifth in success rate. The Eagles are third in success rate. Like it, it, it is almost identical 
the two. So I know there's probably some some narrative coming out uh, of Dallas about the offense and Dak Prescott. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know how he's getting blamed for that last interception uh, last week in overtime. But uh, really, this has been an offense where when he's been on the field, they have absolutely been a top five offense in the NFL. Yeah, no, Dak is awesome to watch. He like I like Eagles fans struggle with Dak, like the Dak first Wentz in the same class. And then, you know, Dak's kind of like he's not in the Mahomes cut. He's not in the Allen cut. Like the way quarterback's going. He's like from the pocket. He's processing everything. But he will beat you up, man. Uh, he if he finds a if he finds a weak spot and it doesn't have to be a big one. It can be a small window. He will hit you and he will make you pay. He's been nails on late downs. He's been nails against blitzes, right? Which Eagles don't do too much of. Uh, in the event that the Eagles defense struggles to stop them, which I think the Eagles can have a good game. I think the pass rush can impact them well. I think they have the corners on the outside to cause problems when, when Dak takes his isolation stuff. They're going to put a lot of bodies around C.D. Lamb in the middle, force those outside throws. Then they're going to win versus Michael Gallup. They're going to win versus Noah Brown. Like they s- Structurally, they can stop them. But if they lose, and if they struggle offensively, I should say, it's going to be one of those games that drives you nuts. Because Gannon's going to be in, in zone the whole time saying, we've got him. We have good looks. We're covering him up. He has to be perfect to beat us. And then Dak, if, he, if, they're, if they're winning, it's Dak being perfect the whole way down the field. And it's going to be so freaking irritating. It's going to be one of those games that really makes you pound your head into a wall. I think, like, I think they'll be okay. Because Dak's thrown a lot of picks off like tipped balls and stuff that's kind of outside of his control. But he really is just very audacious testing windows. And the Eagles defense will give you a window they'll say yeah you can throw the seam ball go for it but marcus epps will step down reed blankenship will step down right kaiser white will step to it they will collision that catch point right bradbury in recovery we've seen him generate picks that way they will close on that catch point they will be physical it's a very important part of this defense is that that hustle to the ball that create that connection and he's going to get some of them dak will get some of them on you but they have the ability to, to punish dak for testing those tight windows in ways that defenses who have beaten the jaguar the, the cowboys previously have so I think they'll be okay, but it's a very tough passing game to go up against. This is a huge game for the Eagles defense. I mean, I, I know the stakes aren't, you know, you, you have three games to win one, but to me, this is a huge game for the Eagles defense. I, I'm much higher than on them than we were in our initial Philly special pods. They've answered the bell for the most part. At the same time, looking at the competition they faced is absolutely Fair. I mean, the top that they faced three top 10 offenses in DVOA. The Lions, that was week one, so it's weird, but the Lions scored 35 on them. The Packers, uh, who are now, I think, up to seventh or eighth in offensive DVOA, which mm-hmm. is wild when you think about how far they've come. They scored 33 on the Eagles, and then there was the weird Jaguars game uh, that Trevor Lawrence could not handle the rain. But, like, th- this is it. I mean, if we want to look at, hey, uh, the path to the Super Bowl, what they're going to have to do in the playoffs, are they really good against good offenses, or are they beating up on a bunch of media? We-, we know they can beat up on mediocre offenses, which they didn't do last Last year, so that already is an improvement. Like they've dominated against mediocre offenses, but against good offenses, the likes of which they may have to face uh, in the NFC playoffs, in the Super Bowl, whatever. Are they mm-hmm. able to do that? So uh, it's gonna be fun to watch. That's like a, you know, obviously the quarterback thing is big, but almost as interesting, or maybe more interesting to me, is how does this Eagles defense perform yeah. against this Cowboys offense? Yeah, you want to get me to shut up about these linebackers that Cowboys will test your linebackers in the passing game. They'll test them in the running game too, right? They'll 
pollard out and they'll, they'll throw into the backs a little bit more and they'll they'll stress you out that way but in the passing game it's a lot of middle of the field right it's like those taylor heineke layered throws right it's finding all that space between the two layers Dak will find that space and if, you're, if your linebackers aren't getting to depth and getting in throwing windows it's cd lamb it's cd lamb it's cd lamb it doesn't matter that you've got james bradbury on noah brown it doesn't matter you got darius slay on michael gallup on the outside it's just cd lamb the entire way down the field dalton schultz same thing right they will test your linebackers they have the receiving core and the quarterback to throw middle of the field really really effectively so safeties will probably play low to try to help those backers but it's a great day for like tj edwards kaiser white coverage truthers to, to, to you know uh cash in some some, <laughs> some receipts they gotta have a big game if, if they're liable if they're if they're if they're weak it's gonna be uh, a big challenge now if they play deep right if they line them up with depth because they're worried about all that seam bender nonsense right all that stuff against the middle of the field now you're gonna get challenged with the downhill running game and that's the second thing is 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 this eagles pass rush this eagles defensive line can do a lot to protect the back seven the back seven doesn't need too much protecting it's a good group but you can do a lot to protect them by beating up a Cowboys front that is beatable, right? Ty- Tyron Smith back at right tackle. Holy smokes, man. This guy is so freaking good. It's so irritating. I hate Tyron Smith. I can't stand how good he is at football. But tackles are good. Interior is liable. Uh, defensive tackles should be able to control the line of scrimmage in the running game. And then, and then critically, in those first and 10 play action, those second and seven play action, when you're trying to defend uh, the run with four down, right? And you're trying to keep the numbers that you want to keep, uh, are you going to be able to hold up against the run or are you going to get double teams Ezekiel Elliott to the second level physical runner and the Cowboys can gash you that way? So the spine of the defense, defensive tackle to linebacker safety, big, big test against the Cowboys. Yeah, yeah Ty, so Tyron Smith returned and played right tackle instead of left tackle and he played 53 snaps, but then Jason Peters played 21 snaps and I've tried to read the Cowboys coverage and I don't know if... Tyron Smith was on like a snap, you know, limited snaps. If he right. got dinged up a little bit and they brought him out. So I don't know exactly what their plan. I mean, I would imagine that their plan is going to be Tyron Smith plays the full game uh, at right tackle. Now that he's kind of had some snaps uh, under him, but that's something to sort of keep an eye on uh, going into this game. And Jason, <laughs> Jason Peters played uh, right tackle after that has not been his position either. So it's kind of funny that those two players specifically oh. two of like the be- maybe the two best left tackle, or oh, the two of last the top generation three left yeah. tackles with uh, Trent Williams of like the last 10 to 15 years were both you know splitting reps at right tackle for the Cowboys and the reason is because Tyler Smith has not given you a single dang reason to move him off left tackle man yeah rookie out of Tulsa it it, it always takes a moment everybody loves to freak out week two guys got like a holding penalty a false start and a sack giving up let him get a sea legs oh he's been so good what an athlete he, he reminds me of an Eagles lineman when he moves just because just because they usually find these cats who just they can bend and they can be quick and they can explode. He's he's really fun to watch. Their bookends are awesome. Interiors where, where you can get them. Uh, and, and I think that, you know, your Hargrave, your, your Dominican Sue, one of the reasons why you beefed up the interior with, with Limbaugh, Joseph and Dominican Sue, one of the reasons why you've been trying to get pass rush out of those guys is for this game and for, for the weakness the the. the Vikings are weak on the interior line. The Niners are relatively weak on the interior line. And the Cowboys, again, relatively. Like, it's not bad, but it's it's not the strength of the unit. This is where the Eagles' investment in defensive tackle needs to pay off. Yeah, the battles up front on both sides are going to be fun. I mean, you're getting six sacks every game. The, the defensive yeah, line got a has streak. to dominate in this game against uh, Dak Prescott and then uh, just the Eagles offensive line in the, in the uh, bears game. I mean, we were just kind of cackling at the pockets that Jalen hurts was throwing from just no every week. In, like 
every like week. Coach Flynn is just like, wait a minute, Qu- quarterbacks do not throw from pockets like this. I would just pause it, and there's no one around him. I think it was the third quarter, and we're like, wait, is this the first time actually somebody has touched him in the pocket? I think it was the first time, third quarter, that he actually just got touched um, in the pocket there. So they've been dominating, like you said. It is every week. It's funny. You just watch it, and you're like, all right, no other quarterback uh, gets this. So they've got to come through against a very good uh, pass rush with Parsons, Demarcus Lawrence, and the group. All right, I obviously was very late taking a break. Let's take a break. We'll come back, and we will get to some of your questions. Spring is here, and you can now get almost anything you need for your sunny days delivered with Uber Eats. What do we mean by almost? Well, you can't get a well-groomed lawn delivered, but you can get a chicken parmesan delivered. A cabana? That's a no. But a banana? That's a yes. A nice tan? Sorry. Nope. But a box fan? Happily yes. A day of sunshine? No. A box of fine wines? Yes. Uber Eats can definitely get you that. Get almost, almost anything delivered with Uber Eats. Order now. Alcohol in select markets. Product availability may vary by region. See app for details. Have you ever spotted McDonald's hot, crispy fries right as they're being scooped into the carton? And time just stands still. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Want to be more active this summer? Sierra helps you save on everything from swimsuits to stand-up paddle boards, tennis rackets to fishing tackle. And if that doesn't float your boat, we also have pool floats. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! All right, we are back. Steve Silver, meteorologist, he gave you a little tip there on the, what's it called, the lake effect? Yeah. You saw, you saw that tweet, right? Yeah. Yeah, explained so, it in one quick tweet. He did, but also it's the same as always. He's like, "Well, like the 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 warm, dry air picks up the cool moisture." Like, what does "pick up" mean? I don't know. What's this convection currents we got going on here? It all seems it's very suspicious. I'm increasingly becoming suspicious of weather. I hate that I'm the exact same way. I read <laughs> that and I'm like, this is probably straightforward and simple to most people. My mind does not operate this. It's a true story. Only class I ever dropped in college was a meteorology class. I took oh, wow. it. I'm like, oh, this will be interesting. Learn a little bit about some weather. I'm like, this is impossible. I can't. I'm not going to get a good what, grade what, in what, this what class. does drop mean? It means like, like you have a deadline where if you, yeah, if yeah, like, okay. if you, if you don't think you're going to do great or you don't want to continue. That's the, the semester, only one? You get like three. I don't know how many of those you get. Dirt. You get a certain amount, and that was one where I'm like, all right, this isn't for me. Uh, you I, know dropped, what it was? I, I dropped actually, 100 it was a classes. Virtu- it, well, I think your yeah. classes were probably uh, much harder <laughs> than mine. In all fairness, as my wife makes fun, my wife was an engineering major and makes fun of me when I brag about I only had classes on Tuesday. I'm like, you took classes on Friday? What's wrong with you? <laughs> you had classes before 10 o'clock? No, that's that's not how we did it with the journalism and a uh, business minor at Penn State. You were able to, uh, you know, finagle your schedule a little bit there. Actually, meteorology, I believe I was taking an online class. It was it was like one of those where you don't have to go in. I'm like, this nice. is Great. I'll sign on and learn some meteorology and I'll get it. And I'm like, all right, no, this isn't for me. This isn't happening. I'm dropping this class. So uh, sorry, Steve. Uh, I'm sure it's probably very straightforward, but uh, Ben and I, our minds might not work that way. He asks, the Eagles were pretty healthy for a while, but I've since dealt with injuries to Dallas Goddard, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, and Jalen Hurts. Who on the team do we need to keep in bubble wrap? Who can we least afford to lose for the playoffs aside from Hertz? Uh, I don't know if you got a chance to uh, prep for this or not. You were yeah. in the car when I sent you an email. So, all right, I thought we each give our 
top five. If right now, you know, you could say, all right, these five Eagles will not be injured. They will be with you starting on Christmas Eve against Dallas through whenever the season ends. Who are the five guys who you think the Eagles can least afford to lose? In ascending order, five, Devontae Smith. What Four. does that mean, ascending order? So, so, so the order ascends. Be, okay. What does that mean, one ascending is the person order? You, one is the person you can least afford to lose, though, right? Yes. One, one is my top okay. protection. Right. Yes. Okay. All right. All right. Listen, we, we've now admitted That's we can't I understand meteorology. meteorology and list ordinance. <laughs> anyway, five, Devontae Smith. Four, Jason Kelsey. Three, James Bradbury. Two, Darius Slay. One, A.J. Brown. We did a little bit of like a injury check-in reference pre-Dallas Goddard injury. And I was like, man, if they lose Dallas Goddard, they're in a ton of trouble, folks. And then they lost Dallas Goddard, and they were totally freaking fine. So I couldn't, in good conscience, put him in my top five. Um, but I think your wide receiver depth, you're worried about. The, we saw the target distribution, the density of these guys got in the Bears game. So I wanted both Devontae and A.J. Brown on there. Corner, the same thing. I think their outside corner depth is very suspect. And when you play quarters like this, you're asking your outside corners to solve problems for you. They rely on those guys a lot. Uh, and so Bradbury and Slay, I think, deserve to be on that list. And then Kelsey's just a weapon. Every time I watch this offensive film, I'm reminded that they have five to eight plays a game that they call because Kelsey's their center. It's just absurd. It's not, it's not real. Like, that's not a thing. But it is. Like, they're like, oh, well, we can yeah. block this zone, read this way, and do this QB draw this way because... Kelsey can move like a fullback, and that's that's so integral. And so I know Jurgens, 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 as you know, a promising young player, and they have interior offensive line depth. But Kelsey felt right to also get on that list. I think you're right. I think you talked me into it. I did not. I had Kelsey on my. I said could make the case for Kelsey. Mm-hmm. I didn't put him in. We had four of the other five were on the same page. AJ Brown, Devontae Smith, Slay, and Bradbury on the same page. I mean, those guys are going to be so important for you, especially corner. Yeah. You have no depth there. If you lose one of those guys, it's going to look different. Brown and Devontae Smith are both probably going to be 1,000-yard uh, receivers. I had Goddard still. I didn't Goddard. let that mm-hmm. small sample sway me. I was going, if it's the playoffs, I want Dallas yeah, Goddard want, yeah, on right. the field. He solves problems. You mentioned the screens. We're going to see him this week. I want another guy who opposing defensive coordinators are going, oh my gosh, what's our plan mm-hmm. for him in addition to Brown and Devontae Smith at the same time? Man, not having Kelsey, even if you have an okay backup, just everything just think he about does. Like like two yeah. bad snaps. That would hurt. Yeah, like, yeah, it's like the, the, the uncertainty is just like, I I, yeah. I don't know. It freaks me out. But God, it's a great case. The other guy I thought about was Reddick, which like the defensive line depth makes it so hard to pick one of those guys. But Reddick's, I mean, like, you know, Reddick's been their best pass rusher. And, and yeah. he also gives them front versatility because he can drop, right? Which lets them do stuff out of their five-man front. He's great on stunts. The effort's awesome. That rush he pulled on the, on the Justin Fields carry, man, I like I saw it live. So I replayed it six times. Inside, out, spin. I was like, okay, that's pretty crazy. Watching all the all 22. Oh, my gosh. Then you do... Kids don't like Vaughn doesn't move like that. I have no idea how his body did all the things it did in that one play. He's exciting, man. He's a lot of fun. I mean, there's a lot of guys you could merely make the case for as that fifth spot. Mm-hmm. I mean, Reddick, Sweat, Hargrave, one of the tackles. I mean, if you lose Lane Johnson, I mean that would hurt. If you lose Mylotta, are you that are you feeling that great about Andre Dillard coming in in the playoffs nope. and playing left <laughs> tackle for you? I mean, so there's really a lot of places you could go. I, but I'm going to say I think you convinced me. I think I would go Kelsey and then those four uh, other guys. If you disagree, let us know if you have a strong case for somebody else. So that's really the key. I mean, listen, 
last three games, I think they're going to win one of them. You don't mm-hmm. want you. It, it's like Eagles Health. fans. You have memories of losing the TO, of losing the Westbrook, of losing the quarterback. But right when you think you're going to make this monstrous playoff run, that's really, man, what you want to avoid uh, here in the last three games. All right. Nate B, question number five, says, Turkeys are taken, uh, birds with friends reference there. Uh, so let's call this 60 degrees of likelihood, uh, you know, in honor of you, I assume, 60 degrees. If you oh, have 60 yeah. degrees to a lot, which of these players is most likely to sign an extension? I feel like we've checked in on this question many times this yeah. season, but hey, people still have questions about it. We have more data. We have more information to work with. And so he breaks it down to these four players, Javon Hargrave, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, TJ Edwards, Miles Sanders. So you have 60 degrees to a lot. And he says most likely to sign. So this isn't yeah. Ben wants to sign. This is most likely to sign. What do you think? So 35, 38, 40 to TJ Edwards. I don't think they let Edwards out of the building. Really? Yeah. Wow. I you only well, have 60 to work with, and you're giving him 35 or 40. That's surprising. I don't really fully understand how I'm supposed to allot the degrees. Like, in terms of likelihood, <laughs> I think Edwards is the most likely. So I want to give him all 60. And then that way, okay. I've re- returned. I don't need to hedge my bet. But anyway, so like 35, 40. The thing is, Edwards' contract will be manageable. They've had, like, the, you know, they've kind of had this carousel linebacker. And for the critiques that I have for Edwards, He's been good this year. He's clearly more athletic than he was, which is the biggest aspect of his game that was weak. And I don't think he's going to be that expensive, right? Like the Eagles are going to be tight to the cap, right? Like some of these other names like Hargrave, I think they're going to try. I don't know how easy that's going to be, right? When you look at Hargrave's on on three or 39 million, so 13 million per year. I don't think that number is going to come down. And I think that's justified, right? He's going to be turning 30. It's not super old. The Eagles were giving out $14 million a year to Fletcher Cox at 32. So it's not like they have a leg to stand on if they say, oh, you know, you're from the wrong side of 30. I, I that To me, that number is going to stay in the DJ Reader range, the JJ Watt range, 13.2 million a year, 14 million a year. I don't know if the Eagles have that. So Hargrave's like a, I think if I were choosing who I'd prioritize, who's the first guy I'm going to, I'm going to Hargrave, no question. I just don't know if they're going to be able to get that done relative to what he can get on the open market. Uh, so Edwards, I think, is the most likely because I think he's going to be relatively cheap. You look at, at top linebacker contracts and like, yeah, like Foye Luicon just signed for 15 million. Uh, you know, Shaq Leonard and Fred Warner extended at 19 million. Uh, Jerome Baker extended at 12.5 million. I think you can get Edwards in underneath that, right? Like, I think like I look at, at the Matt Milano extension at like 10.3, Bobby Wagner at 10 million, Eric Hendricks at 10 million per year. I think I can get TJ under that. And, and I think that that's, you know, for as much as Howie may not like investing in the linebacker position, I think eight figures per year for coming in under 10, I think that's going to be okay. So I, I think Edwards is the most likely. Sanders is the second most likely. I'd give him like 10, you know, 10, 15-ish. I think that, again, it, it, it's a price point thing. They don't invest in running back too much, but they don't have anybody behind him. Like with TJ, they at least kind of have Nakobe, Kenny Gainwell, Boston Scott, like those guys have not established themselves as able to take Sanders, Sanders' workload. They use them in the red zone. They trust them. But neither one of those guys have bell cow written on them. They're not big enough. They're not consistent enough. Even with Sanders' issues, he's more than they are. So I give like 10, 15 to Sanders, and then I'll split the remaining five, the remaining 10, uh, five to Chauncey and five to Hargrave. Hargrave is a price out thing, and I think Chauncey's a price out thing too. You brought it up. Chauncey wanted to be traded out of the Saints so that he could play more snaps at safety, so that he could cash in on the safety market, right? Buda Baker just signed for 14.7, Eddie Jackson for 14.6, Marcus Williams for 14 flat. Chance is coming off a six interception year. 
I don't know if you can get him. He's a young guy. First time on a second contract. I don't think you can get him under those numbers. And if they can't get him under those numbers, safety's not important enough in this defense for them to, to, to sign him to that figure. So I think that Hargrave and Chauncey are price out guys. And that's why Edwards and Sanders are more likely. I think knowing what we know about Howie Roseman, sorry. So what were your final? What were your final? Thirty. I'll there? do thirty-five can... to Hargrave, fifteen yeah. to Sanders, five to Chauncey, five to Har- five to Hargrave. No, thir- okay. 30, 35, thirty-five to, to Edwards, Edwards, fifteen to Sanders, <laughs> five and five, Hargrave and, and Chauncey. Okay, I went in a different direction. Knowing what I know about Howie Roseman and where he wants to spend his money and where he wants to overspend his money, we'll see. We'll see if somebody, you know, it's, it gets really aggressive with Javon Hargrave, then you're right. Maybe it will be tougher if they don't sign him before he hits uh, free agency. But uh, I, I could see a scenario where that gets done between both sides. TJ Edwards is interesting to me. I mean, I, I don't know how much you like. I, I don't know if I would want to pay TJ Edwards $8 million a year i mean maybe wow. that's not so funny like i'm out here criticizing him <laughs> and i'm like yeah he's clearly worth eight million because he is yeah i mean a, a linebacker eight alpha i don't know I, I don't know i mean for him um he's played well i guess at some point you probably have to pay someone there you know they paid nigel bradham uh eventually there so uh maybe they do get that done he's really a tough one to target because yeah you mentioned it foyer aluacan got 15 million a year from the jaguars Last year, I mean, I look at it and I, I wonder if TJ Edwards would get a monster deal on the open market. Maybe he would. Maybe he would get uh, a big deal, but that one's a little trickier to me. So I've got 30 for Hargrave, 20 for Edwards. I'm with you with Gardner Johnson. I mean, he wants to get paid big. Uh, I I didn't see it in the film. Uh, the interceptions are there. Uh, this year it would be more of a projection to me than a, hey, he showed he could do play at a high level at mm-hmm. safety where you would be getting enough bang for your buck. So I've got him at a five. And I've got Miles Sanders uh, at a five also. I think you're going to have options at running back. I think, you know, I don't know that he'll get a monster deal out there, but uh, I think he'll probably get more than you are looking to spend. So that's how I would divide my uh, what did he call him? 60 degrees of likelihood. All right. Six, yo, Inc. Give me that. Who I feel like is a loyal listener. I feel like I've said that before on this podcast. Yo, Inc. Give me <laughs> I feel that. Like you'd remember. Uh, do yeah. you, <laughs> do you think Russell Wilson is a good comp to uh, Jalen uh, uh, Slow down, slow down. Young Russell Wilson. He specifies, which is very important Young, because current right. Russell good Wilson point. is not a good, good comp point. for anybody. <laughs> That is a keyword. That is a keyword. Do you, let me try that again. Do you think young Russell Wilson is a good cop to Jalen Hurts given size, mobility, pension to throw it? Deep. I can start with this one. Uh, I, th- I think it's not a bad one. You know, Russell Wilson ran for 849 yards in 2014. I think you're probably going to lean more into Jalen Hurts as a runner than Russell Wilson. I think Russell. To, I think one big difference. I do think he's right. They both are not going to throw a lot of interceptions or did not throw a lot of interceptions. Uh, they throw pretty uh, deep balls for sure. They can make plays downfield. They can make plays with their legs. I feel like there's more of a structure to Jalen Hurts' game where Russell Wilson in his prime kind of mastered the organized chaos or whatever you want to call it. You know, there were these plays in the course of a game where you're not going to draw them up like that on the chalkboard uh, during the week, but you can kind of count on them every week Mm -hmm. that he's going to make those plays. I don't watch Jalen Hurts and think he's thriving in chaos. Like, you know, like, yes, he makes some plays out of structure and he scrambles, but maybe it's because he's so decisive that it's not like he's dancing around back there and buying time and already throws it downfield. It's like he decides what he's going to do, then he does it. Like, I I don't feel like he has 
a chaotic style of play. I feel like he actually has more of a structural uh, style of play than Russell Wilson. Uh, Wilson, I think, uh, has a better arm, had a better arm uh, than Jalen Hurts. But the middle of the field we've seen with Jalen Hurts, it's open to him if he's got players, uh, which we've seen this year, where that really was never the case for Wilson. And then, of course, you've got the, you know, the intangibles. I think Hurts is more authentic. I think he's more of a leader. I think he's going to be more well-liked by uh, teammates and all those things than uh, Wilson was during those Seattle days. Yeah, the the decisiveness is such a critical point. Uh, Russ is risk prone, Hertz is risk averse, uh, and that 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 changes the play style so much between the two of them. That like the the physical comparisons are there, the visible comparisons, like watching them and watching the way they move are absolutely there. And then like where they throw the football, how they like to throw the football, it's there. But they play two different games because Russ has this like. I'll never say die. I can always create something mentality. And Jalen Hurts has a maturity to him that Russ, even like late stage Russ didn't have in terms of taking a sack, you know, not exacerbating a bad play, trying to get to the next down, trusting in his offense, trusting in his receivers to do the work for him, uh, trusting in his line more, right? Like, you know, the, the, the Russ seasons when Russ had a great offensive line meant that Russ just held the ball more longer, waited for receivers to go further down the field. Hurts, ball comes out you know what i'm saying the line's gonna give me protection i'm gonna execute my job much more uh much more decisive than the rest of everyone so the play style is different even though like size wise and 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 throwing style wise there definitely are some similarities so there's useful parts of the comp and then there's parts where they differ and, and it helps us like learn more about hertz as a player by acknowledging the differences that's the case with all comps yeah no it's uh well said all right seven ted Greetings from Spain. I love that. I love when you, you get a, a yeah. listener for you. You're like, how is someone in Spain listening uh, yeah. to us and two if, idiots talking about the If you Eagles. email me and you're somewhere cool and you don't tell me, it makes me upset. Yeah. You got to yeah, let me yeah. know. It makes me happy. And if you give me something like greetings from Spain and then ask a question, I'm pretty yeah. much 100% going to answer uh, your question. He says, awesome pod. Been listening to Ben since Locked On Eagles and reading Shield since Birds 24-7. With Minshew likely starting this week, best guesses, the new QB to enter the factory Next year, Minshew is uh, is going to be a free agent after the season. So Ted asks, will it be via draft? Will it be via free agency? So I love this. We've moved past the stage of should Jalen Hurts uh, be the long-term answer and get an extension to who is Jalen Hurts' backup going to be if in the event that they lose Gardner Minshew last year. Again, you were on the road, so I don't know if you got a chance to even look at this or consider it. I'll give you a couple names. I just pulled up the free agents. Uh, I know a guy you like. How about a P.J. Walker if he's no yeah. longer a member of the Carolina Panthers? That would be a fun backup, right? I would Yo, be PJ in on the P.J. Walker. Yes. Yeah, that would be fun. Uh, if you want to go the veteran route, like the guy who seems to be just a great like teammate, uh, you know, a guy like Case Keenum could be uh, in the mix. Uh, Cliff wants to, us to make sure we give uh, uh, P.J. Walker the Temple shout-out. Yeah. What is it? Uh Fight, fight, fight for the cherry and the white, for the cherry and the white. We fight. Cliff, did I, uh, hopefully, Cliff, did I nail that? You nailed it. You nailed it. I love it. All right. There you go. (laughs) There you go. Uh, No, I think that would be a nice, nice uh, option. So I don't know. Those are a couple names as I, obviously, the less expensive you can get, the better. If you're assuming that you're paying Jalen Hurts a lot of money at some point in the near future. So you could certainly see them use late round draft picks uh, on a guy to be a backup. But if that's not going to be the case immediately, those were a couple names that came to mind. What do you think? Joe Flacco, free agent this year. Uh, well, flat oh, return. gosh, stop. Re- Please, re- don't re- do that to re- me. Return please. of the flack. Uh, the, no. uh, 
yeah, the first name I saw when I looked at the list, I was like, yeah, absolutely, Joe Flacco, they're going to do it. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if their move, though, is to go get the Josh McCown, Joe Flacco guy, right? Get a super old dude who's like, you know, coaching, waiting, <laughs> right? Like, But like, it, it makes sense for where they're at, right? You can go that direction, or you can go to get somebody who can play like Jalen Hurts' direction, Tyler Huntley and uh, 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 Lamar Jackson, right? In which case, like, P.J. Walker makes a lot of sense. Not the same build, but he can give you mobility stuff. He can work from the pocket. He can throw a nice go ball. Like, yeah, that that, that P.J. Walker one is a smart one. I, pa- I passed him in my list, but I like that a lot. Uh, John Wolford and Trace McSorley were the two names I looked at with the Rams with your the Cardinals boy. right now. What is your Trace McSorley backstory? I've yeah. seen you hold up the jersey. I Like, what what is this? Unlocked on NFL Draft, which... <laughs> The, the the Spain uh, question asker was locked on Eagles. When I was unlocked on NFL Draft, yeah. Trace McSorley was coming out, and we got a question on a Fan Friday, which was our mailbag segment. Uh, like you know, just huge Penn State fan. I want to know what the future for Trace McSorley is, and I was like, buddy, there's no NFL. <laughs> Trace at Penn State is barely holding on to the job. Like there's not an NFL future, of Trace McSorley. And as you very well know, having done a lot of pods with me, I like to put stakes on things. And so uh, Trevor Sikama, now with PFF, my longtime co-host and dear friend, goaded me into saying that if Trace McSorley ever scored an NFL touchdown, I would buy his jersey. I didn't know that COVID was going to mean that fourth string practice squad quarterbacks were just starting games. And so he got into a game against the Steelers during the COVID year and like in garbage time down multiple scores, just yeeted a bomb to Marquise Brown and the Steelers like didn't even try to tackle him. So yeah, go score. We don't care. And then I, I bought a youth XL custom Jersey, like the one you like, you like, because they don't sell McSorley jerseys. So I had to buy the custom one, number seven, put the name oh on the back. God. And now he keeps getting in games for the Cardinals because they can't stay yeah. healthy. So every time he gets in the game, I put on the jersey. Just, you know, got to support my guy. Um, but so, like, John Wolford, uh, Trace McSorley makes sense for, for the Hurts play style. Um, but the Case Keenum name that you brought up, Joe Flacco, like, non ironically, uh, jo- Josh Johnson. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if they bring in an old head to kind of like, bring the coach like borrow some some passing concept ideas from how do we develop so on and so forth i I think that'll be the route that they go they'll draft they'll they'll either draft a guy or do what they with carson strong which is pay the most money for an undrafted free agent though they will bring a young guy in to see if they if he can establish himself in the lineup because they're the quarterback factory they're the quarterback developers that's what they do Listen, that that comment is what led to Jalen Hurts being the quarterback right now. So I don't know. So how freaking mad that bring... how he was right, how he's justified. <laughs> oh man, might, might want to uh, bring that back. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it won't just be. It's got to be an old guy who can come in and play a little bit for you in the event that hurt. I mean, that's just been their history for 20 years that you want to be able to withstand, you know, three, four games when the starter goes out and be able to still have a good team. So there's a couple names to keep in mind. All right. Eight general Grivas. Now he left a question on the, uh, iTunes reviews. What is your thing about you haven't had a bad day in 11 years, it's yeah. good. I'm learning more about you uh, to me. So I don't know what your actual comment was or your, if it was mm-hmm. a go-to line, but he wants to know what was the bad day from 11 years ago and or is it something too personal to share? <laughs> now, so give us the whole so backstory. On the old Kist and Solak show on uh, Bleeding Green Nation, shout out to the OGs. Uh, part of my intro used to be uh, Mr. Eight-Year Streak or Nine-Year Streak, whatever era we were in. Without a bad day, he's Benjamin Solak. Uh, and... The thing is, is like, I don't know. I um, I don't want to get too preachy and too soapboxy. Um, but it's not like any particular thing happened. It's just that 
I got like you, you I was in high school. I started to get serious about the person I was going to be. And I predispositioned to joy. Very lucky to be that way. I just tend to be like an optimistic and happy and energetic person. And I didn't want to take that for granted. Uh, and I wanted to make sure that I did that with intention. I want to make sure I wasn't just doing it because it was natural. I want to make sure I was going to, you know, if I was going to bring that energy, I was going to mean it and I was going to have value behind it. Uh, and so I don't know, like I, I take my perspective on things seriously. I, tr- I try to, you know, slow down and be grateful a lot. Uh, I think I, you know, my, my pops was a priest. I grew up in the church. I try to spend a lot of time being grateful and thankful and prayerful. And I'm not really good at it i'm probably pretty bad at it to be honest but you do it day in and day out and you get a little bit better uh and so i haven't had a bad day because i wake up in the morning and i decide to have good days and then i try to bring that bring that into the world and sometimes i'm sick and i don't got it and i'm a bad writer and i can't stay pay attention to the film and there's bad stuff going on my house caught on fire everybody knows this by now i've told that story ten thousand times <laughs> but it's just okay what are you gonna do with what you got and i, and I try to do the best i can with what i got so that, that that was the uh that was the old joke and then uh i realized it was extremely preachy and obnoxious thing to say at the top of a podcast so once i transitioned i decided to cut that so that way it wasn't uh wasn't as much rubbing it in people's faces anymore what a what a beautiful sincere answer you got there jeff yeah. see what happens when you leave the podcast reviews we all we all learn something uh get about, me back, get me back uh, about... to, to insulting professional athletes now i can't I like too much <laughs> No, well, now I do have to tell you how I don't I don't know how familiar you are with Howard Eskin, the uh, longtime uh, Philadelphia yeah. media personality. But that used to be his WIP uh, tagline when someone would say, uh, "How you doing, Howard?" And, and Cliff is sick. Cliff. So you you remember what what Howard said, right? When when a caller would call in, uh, "How you doing, Howard?" So I was um, I, I think I was like way too young to really like get into his radio show back in the days when it was on WIP. But that was his old saying is like, eh, you know, <laughs> I was never right, had I, a bad day in my life. Right? Let me try to do this yeah. impression. Right. I, I was interning <laughs> at Fox 29 back when I was, I want to say a junior in college at Temple University. And Howard Eskin was obviously the lead sports, um, the lead sports director over there. Same with uh-huh. my boy. Shout out, shout out to Tom Shredder and shout out to Colleen Wolf. She was there, too, as well at the time. And uh, the Colleen Wolf, real, real quick, Cliff, first person to put Sheila Capati on TV, Colleen Wolf. Now, hey. I don't think she, I don't think she says that's her claim to fame. I think she's probably accomplished uh, much more. Like if she had to list her top 500 <laughs> uh, things she's done in her career, I don't think that would make the list. But listen, that was cool for me, where she said, "You want to come down to Fox 29 Studios and do a little hit for me on a Sunday now, night?" So uh, I said, yeah, yeah, "Let's do it." Sorry. When are we going to get her on here? Actually, no, let's, should we do that? Yeah, we should. Was this we the hair era for Sheila? That's what I want to know. Can oh I find my God, this? God, it was. Yeah, and was yeah, it, the hair it was era? great. Oh, oh absolutely. Yeah, I'm Googling. I'm Googling after the pod. <laughs> All right. Sorry, Cliff. Go ahead and finish. I interrupted you. You guys are good. You guys are good. I just want to say, so when he would walk, so I'd work in the sports department in the back, and obviously you go past the newsroom and everything. He'd walk in with, you know, this big, you know, a million-dollar jacket on. His outfit <laughs> probably cost $2 million. Hair slicked back. Big yeah. smile on his face. He walks in. I'm like, yeah, what's good? Hi, what's up with you? Ah, you know, never had a bad day, Cliff. <laughs> Literally every <laughs> single time I work, but Just that dude is hilarious. Yeah, that dude is actually really hilarious. People give him a lot of, you know, a lot of flack, but he's really funny, actually. Without trying to be, without trying to be, he's that guy. The king, the king. All right, so there you go. That was good. A little, little Howard Eskin tie-in to the question there. Now, Ben, you said I don't want you to forget. You said you had a temperature-related yes. revelation. I, uh, I'd never. 
if I'm alone in the car, I never put the temperature on hot or cold. I, I, I don't touch it. I don't know how to work it. My wife is the only one who knows how to work it, and she puts it whatever she likes when she's in the car with me because that's a nice thing to do because you're married. I was driving today. It was 20s in Michigan. I put the window down, sitting there in my coat, happy as a clam. You know, you, you kind of, you know, you drive, you hold the steering wheel with one hand, you sit on the other hand when it gets a little chilly, and then you transition, you switch. And then uh, when it's hot out, you put the windows down. I hate the AC. I can't stand it. It's like it, it stale. It fills the car. It's bad. Put the windows down and live with the wind. But I, I do not touch any temperature-related generating device in a vehicle. So when you say, all right, so you never turn it on. Not that you don't, like, if it's on already from somebody else having driven the car, no, you don't it, leave I'll, it on. You're saying, I'll turn it you'll off. turn it off. Yeah, I'll turn it off. But okay, I'm saying, gotcha. Like, all right. Like, so. I got in the car. And I was driving, and and like I was like ten minutes in the drive, I was like, oh, it's getting a little chilly. And then I was like, yeah, it's getting a little chilly. This is nice. This feels good. And I was like, oh, she'll make fun of me if I tell him this. I should probably tell him. Honestly, I'm not that. Uh, I find it impossible to find a comfortable temperature right. in the car. I'm always when I'm messing with it, I'm either too hot or too cold. I will say this now. Do you have a do you have a car with like the butt warmers? Have you moved I to that stage those. of your life? I hate those. They make me itch. Oh no, I feel uncomfortable. No, Can't they stand make them. You- <laughs> no, I feel weird with my butt. I don't like the way it makes my tuckers feel. I don't like it. No, no, no. I'm not into it. No, no, no. No, that was... That's uh, the move. If you're going to be in Michigan and it's 20 degrees, you cannot touch no. the actual temperature. You don't need to turn the heat on. You just get that You just get that butt a little warm. You'll be feeling <laughs> no. great. When, when, That's when the we, move. When we went to lease our car, we got two cars. We got like one little car that we owned. We went to like lease like a bigger car, heavier for the snow and whatever. Uh we went to lease it, found a, a good deal, good value, dealership that we knew had everything we wanted. And the one thing it didn't have that was on our list was seat, was seat warmers because my wife wanted. And she was like, all right, well, we got to find a different car. I was like, Mayor, this hits nine out of the 10. <laughs> it's just seat warmer. I mean, just I sit on your hands. Like, I don't know. And she was like, we got, we can't do it. And we ended up getting that one. Uh, and every time she gets in, it was cold. She reminds me there's no seat warmers in it. Oh man! Well, all right. Next one. I'm with her. Once, once you get the seat warmer, if you like the seat warmer, you're not going not seat warmer. Honestly, those are that. Yeah, they're like three things I ask for, and I'm not picky. I know nothing about cars, but I'm like, I will, once I got the remote engine start, I'm like, all right. I really like being able to do that. I want to be able to turn the car on before I go outside. I want the uh, butt warmers uh, for sure. I can't even remember. What the third thing is. I mean, those might be the only two things nope. that I really need, and I'm good to go. Cliff, Cliff what, do you, what is your, your car temperature uh, situation there in Brooklyn? You have to have to put it on something every day here because you know how it is in the Northeast, right? Like everything is either freezing cold or like ex- just suffocating hot. So in the summertime, yeah. when you get in that car, it's like 102 degrees once you uh, see the uh, temperature on there. And in the wintertime, it's brick out here. So especially especially me living here in Brooklyn, I live right <laughs> off the water. So it's super cold. Once you get in that car, it's like 10 degrees out. So I got a blast. Don't you got a coat on? You're going outside. You put on the coat, and then you sit it, in the car with the coat. It's way too cold, man. It's way <laughs> too cold in the wintertime. Like, it's too extremes. Like, you get some, like, evened out weather about six weeks of the year. At some point in the fall, it's pretty even. And then at some point in spring, it's pretty even for, like, two, three weeks. But then after that, it's either 100 million degrees outside or it's like negative 30. There's, <laughs> there's barely any middle ground here. So you got to either blast the heat yeah. or you got to blast that AC, one or the other. 
I like I like to get the hands if it's cold. I like to put the heat on so that I can put my hand there, warm them up, toasty. But then I I would actually agree with you, uh, Benjamin. That then I'm like, all right, this is too hot. I'm turning them down. I don't need it. And I'm actually a Windows guy uh, in the summer. If it's not like just yes. blistering. I like to have the fresh air and the windows, which no one else in my family does. They get in and they put the AC on as cold as it can be. All right, let's finish it out. Last two questions. Number nine, Leland, are we not making enough out of Sirianni and the Eagles' commitment to keeping the team healthy? Shorter training camp practices, pulling starters towards the end of games, giving guys extra rest during the week seem to have contributed to positive health outcomes for the Birds the last two years. I will note that he posted this before Jalen Hurts got injured, but Tough. he says they have had they have had good injury health, though, uh, for sure this year. And he says, given the correlation between health and wins, this seems like a massively under-discussed storyline for the Sirianni era. Uh, I can start with my thoughts on this. I just think it's hard to know what makes a difference. I don't think there's anything definitive out there. I think the Eagles, for the most part, try to use data and research to make informed decisions. It's a violent and a random game. I mean, the Rams, you know, the Rams thought they had an edge. The Rams, if you look at them under Sean McVay, they were the healthy, one of the healthiest right. teams in the NFL year after year after year. And guess what happened this year? They are just crushed. You can't name two offensive linemen who have, you know, started every game for them. So uh, I just think there's going to be a randomness to it. Um, you do what you can. I will say, as, as I was reading his question, I was like, I don't feel like they've had a lot of, like, soft tissue injuries. You know, there haven't been guys missing, like, oh, multiple knock wood on that one. That's that's begging hamstrings. for three hamstrings, man. <laughs> Listen, you can knock, knock on what I'll say. I called it uh, if they did. So um, I feel like they make the right decisions at the same time. I will. Ne- I, I feel like teams who actually think that they have an edge for sure are probably being a little bit arrogant and not uh, yeah. allowing for the randomness. I think it deserves mention, right? I think that that the important thing is to not be a Joe Judge. The important thing is to to not be one of these coaches like we got to tackle physical whatever like you know like that's true like you need to hit and you need to get used to hitting so that way like you know beginning of the season you can get through the slot get through the rush as quickly as you can but a lot of coaches do similar things to what Sirianni is doing at least in terms of what's publicly facing you know what I'm saying they they might got sports scientists in the building who are changing something about rest days and the way that they recover ice baths and cryo chambers and something that we don't know and understand is going on that's great but usually 90% of injury luck can be described by the luck part of it. You know what I'm saying? Like that, that's, that's the nature yes. of, of football. It'd be great if it weren't. But when you go back and you look at like Super Bowl champions and NFC, AFC champions, oftentimes it's just the team that got the healthiest. And then you look at the years before and the year after, and there's no reason to believe that year they were going to be the healthiest, right? It, it's a, a lot of it is, 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 is a luck game, unfortunately. But that's what we watch, man. Two four seeds in the playoffs last year. In the Super Bowl, I should say. You know, the chaos of it. And so I think Sirianni's doing the right stuff. I just don't think the right stuff matters as much as we want it to. Yeah, I think that's well well said. All right, let's close it out with Ethan. Says, is plus six a pretty not a pretty disrespectful line? Now, again, that's come down to four and a half. Uh, but he says, especially given the injuries Dallas has, lined up well with the Eagle strengths, uh, didn't see if Tyron Smith played well, but start two starting corners, interior D-line, linebacker, right tackle. Seems like a nightmare injury report against this Eagles team, regardless of quarterback. So let's use that as an opening to get to our predictions. What do you think, Ben? Eagles are four and a half point underdogs. We think Gardner Minshew is going to play. What is your prediction for this football game? 
The six was was too disrespectful. I absolutely agree. Uh, the we talked about this a little bit, you know, uh, on extra point taken when we talked in the national show right off the Hertz injury. The Hertz MVP discussion is mired in this question of supporting cast, which MVP discussions are every year. Most valuable player, well, who's around you? And Hertz has unquestionably the best. Uh, a supporting cast among MVP candidates, even like Joe Burrow, but certainly Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, two is not a real MVP candidate, so he doesn't count. The those guys, like, like the the Eagles supporting cast is incredible. Because of that, you know, okay, you lose an MVP candidate, the line moves. It moved like almost a touchdown when you look at like the closing the the lines from last week, the look ahead lines, moved a touchdown towards the Cowboys, and that feels appropriate. But there's a way that this offense works quite well with Gardner Minshew, especially because of the injuries the Cowboys have a cornerback. Like, yes, the Eagles lost Jalen Hurts. The Cowboys are accumulating injuries on defense, and, and, and injuries have a snowball effect. They are exponential. The first one hurts. The second one hurts more. The third one hurts even more. You start to spiral. It's a bad business right now for the Cowboys' health on defense. And so, like I said, I think this settles around three, three and a half. If Minshew plays and Goddard plays, I think it settles three, three and a half. I think it's where it should settle. I took the Eagles at plus six right when it got there on Monday. I like, you know, I, I had, I had Cowboys minus two in hand. I, I first bet on the Eagles cause I was like, this line's crazy. And then the Hertz news came and I got off the Eagles. And I got on the Cowboys and the line moved too far. And then I got the Eagles and now I have this middle, but uh, Eagles at, at plus six was, was too much. Uh, they have a good matchup uh, defensively and in the running game. They're healthy pretty much everywhere else at quarterback, and their backup quarterback's no Brock Purdy. This guy started for multiple seasons. He's going to have his business handled. He knows how to prepare. And critically, and this is this is the big thing, you said at the top of the show, this game doesn't have as much juice as, as it did previously, and that's true. If the Eagles win, the ceiling of juice, the potential for juice, like if the yeah, Eagles have won this true. game, if the Eagles have won this game with Hurts, solid juice. You secured the NFC the number one seed in Week 16. That's sick. You do it with Gardner Minshew now. <laughs> That's, I mean, the Sirianni presser. Oh, baby, in Dallas. <laughs> That's going to be something. Uh, and so there is, I think you're going to see a very motivated team. I think you're going to see a team that wants to win this conference in Dallas on Christmas Eve in front of everybody with their backup quarterback, put the L up on their face and do a little dance. We won, you lost. Better luck next year. Uh, so I think you see a motivated performance. I think if Minshew plays and Goddard plays, I think the Eagles win. Uh, I think it's going to be t- tight. I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be a one score. I think it's going to be last drive. But I think this pass rush is going to be good enough. I think the running game is going to be good enough that Minshew's impact on the game is negated or is minimized, I should say. And he'll do enough uh, in, in the interim, in, in the margins to get this thing done. Uh, give me Eagles like 24-21. Okay, 24-21. I was thinking about this game. I was thinking back to 2002. I am a uh, college sophomore at Penn State. Donovan McNabb breaks his ankle in week 11. It's not exactly the same. It's uh, Ben's Ben's, uh, calculating whether he was born uh, at this time or not. Uh, The team is seven and three. Don't tell me. No, I did not. All right, Cliff, edit that out. We don't need that uh, in there. Uh, Eagles were seven and three. You felt like they were screwed. They go to San Francisco on a Monday night with Coy Detmer, and they kill the 49ers, 38-17. Some similarities between Coy Detmer and Gardner Minshew, I would say yes. They were seven-point underdogs in that game. I was thinking back to 2006. Donovan McNabb injured again. Jeff Garcia goes to Dallas and beats the Cowboys on Christmas Day. The Eagles defense kills Tony Romo. Again, Eagles were seven-point 
underdogs. And I was thinking about this game, and I think you're right about the uh, about the juice factor. I mean, if you win this game with Gardner Minshew in Dallas on Christmas Eve with everyone watching with the hype around this Cowboys team, it's going to be a win. It's going to be one of the wins you remember from this season. And there's been a lot of memorable wins from this season. So this O-line is so, so good. These wide receivers are so, so good. This offensive coaching staff has answered every question at every turn this year with their counters and their adjustments and their game opponent-specific game plans. The Cowboys are not the same defense they were when you faced them earlier in the season. They're banged up at corner. And I've been a big skeptic of this Eagles defense. They've grown on me. There's no doubt about it. Uh, the pass rush has come on strong. And we know Say his name. Eagles... Have a coaching edge. Say his Johnny name. Johnny Gans. Listen, spotlight's on you, Johnny Gans. This is your time to shine. Get those owners bidding for you uh, to become a head coach next year. This is your time to shine. Kind of like the Eagles here, too. I didn't, yes, I didn't think we were both going to be on it. We don't discuss it beforehand. I think there's enough to scheme it up on offense. Uh, they pretty consistently come up with big plays on defense with the sacks and the turnovers. I think this group will be inspired. It kind of puts a, you know something on them. That, hey, we don't have hurts. We all got to go out there. This has to be a team effort. We all got to make big plays. Let's go ahead and do this. Everybody's watching. It's still the NFC East rival. Uh, I think this is a special league team obviously the record indicates that every metric indicates that the experience the viewing experience indicates that uh, I think they're going to go down to Dallas and I had a very similar score to you I've got Eagles 24 Cowboys 23 so I don't know maybe this is just a homer podcast the ringers Philly special listen the team has lost one game all year so you right. can pick Bold them take. to win any game and you're not being uh that nuts about it despite the line so there we, we go. are win loss fun. close blowout we're gonna learn a lot about this team this this is the last big game where I think you learn a lot about this team going into the playoffs I'm I'm thrilled I'm gonna miss half of it I'm not gonna be on the post game show I'm gonna be busy on Christmas yeah. Eve but I'm very excited to see it it's going to be fun. Uh, I will have a guest, uh, EJ Smith from the Inquirer, EJ, joining awesome. me on the post-game pod. That will be a lot of fun. And then it'll, it'll be more anticipation for Benny Souls next week when he joins us. Well, that might be a three-hour pod as we get his complete reaction uh, to the game. So we will have you covered with that. We're going to have a bonus pod tomorrow. We got Raheem Palmer, who you hear on this podcast, like, you know, the most Philly guy on this podcast, yet he is a Cowboys fan. Come on, you listening. You know some of the have friends in the Philadelphia area who are Cowboys fans and you don't understand it. He wanted to come on, talk about the Cowboys, talk about this matchup. So we're going to give you a little bonus pod on this feed uh, before the tomorrow, before the end of the week. So uh, a lot coming up. Keep the reviews, the ratings, everything coming. What was this? Like a four hour pod, Ben? How long have we? All right, hour 25. That's not a, that's, that's casual. Not, that's we, standard yeah, now. We're fine. Don't yeah. worry about it. It's good. We're, we're fine. All right. Thank you to Benjamin Solak. We will talk to everybody soon on the Ringers Philly Special.